0: Do your parents like recognize your success now? Now they're like, oh, Uri like, Cheria. You did so well. You did so well. I'm so proud of you. Are they still like, ah, he just does this social media thing. I don't know what he's doing. Like, what's what's that dynamic? He like makes with your parents? TikTok. He dances on the internet. <laughs>
1: That's right. Yeah.
2: What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Yellow Kings Podcast. And we have a super exciting episode coming up for you guys in which we're gonna be interviewing Jerry Lee, the co-founder of Wong Salting. And this is just part of a new series that we're starting on this account in which we're gonna be talking different Asian creators, Asian founders. And in this particular episode, we're gonna be talking to Jerry about how he came to find Wong Salting, his journey of building this company, social media strategies, and overall what the business is investing into and how he built a community around his business and at the end we're just going to do what we do we're going to wrap it up with the shoot the shit type of things in which we're going to talk about his opinions on asian food asian culture talk a little about his upbringing as well and how that kind of shaped his viewpoints today and also we're going to ask him about his thoughts on his haters overall it was a super fun episode to shoot and i hope you guys enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed making for you guys so buckle up we got a lot to cover
0: yo what's good jerry jerry lee the king one sultan god over here J- Jerry One, so right? <laughs> Jerry One.
2: <laughs> Jerry, Wan. Wan. Jerry Wan is actually a guy. He just emailed me today. <laughs>
0: no way, yeah. really? Oh yeah. my God! Wait, Thomas, All you don't right, know well, Jerry One? No, I don't know who Jerry One is.
2: Oh. Anyways, okay. let's continue. Okay. Let's continue.
0: Well let's let's get this podcast we got it we got to get started we're on a tight show. Right. so anyways jerry thanks for coming on super excited to have you i'm sure a lot of people will recognize you from tiktok linkedin all over the place but why don't you give a quick little introduction about yourself then we'll get into the the really juicy topics about taking away the curtains on one salting learning more about the story your story and we'd love to get into it man so quick intro all you all
1: right boys first i'm excited Both of you, thank you for having me here. I've been seeing you guys pop off on Instagram, TikTok. Was it also YouTube, too? Did I see you guys on YouTube shorts?
0: You know, you know. Of
1: course I have, of course. Uh, So uh, for those who don't know, I am Jerry. I'm the co-founder here at OneSulting. And I've been a job search career content creator for the past, I want to say, five or six years. I've been on Instagram and and TikTok for the past, I want to say, two and a half years and i was lucky enough to meet these goons over here throughout the journey and i'm excited to chat with you all
0: dude so excited to have you here man um so why don't we first let's just get into it man i think Let's go a little bit into one salting, like how, how did this all start out? And how did you go from just working a normal corporate nine to five job? And by the way, in this call, I'm, I'm still uh, unfortunately working my, uh, nine to five corporate job, Oh, Thomas, I'm the only one one here, man. I know, I know. But how did you make that transition, dude? Like what's your, what's your quick story about how you went from corporate job to one salting and blowing up all over social media at this point?
1: Yeah, I think the the story for us. I wish it was a sexy one, but it really isn't. Like John, my co-founder, Jonathan Javier, and I, we pretty much just uh, was we were posting on LinkedIn, and even throughout college, we loved the job search process. Like for me, actually, let me take a step back. So the, my love for job search came from me growing up uh, and. I come from an immigrant household. And as many of us know, that if you come from an immigrant household, most likely your parents aren't gonna know anything about the resume or interviewing or jobs or anything. They're just like, hey, just get a job, get a nine to five, be self-sufficient so that like you don't have to ask me for money, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and then um, throughout college, I very much told them, I was like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna take it upon myself to be financially independent from you guys. Like you're not going to have to give me any money despite me only having like 200 bucks and i remember in the first week of college my roommates and i went out to dinner and they just casually spent like thirty dollars on a dinner i was like "Fuck, like 30 dollars <laughs> like and it was shit food too i so said what kind of garbage food is this yeah um and then but anyways throughout my college career i pretty much interned every semester so what i would do is i would structure my schedule so that I would have classes two days a week from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and the three other days I'd go into the office. Fast forward to once I graduated college and I worked at Google, the first thing I wanted to do was get involved with the hiring. So I got interview trained and I very much just volunteered myself to join the recruiting committee of my teams. And that's where I got to learn a little bit of the insider of how things worked. I began to share my experiences online and that's kind of how everything got started.
0: Nice, nice. So then, oh, you can go, Andrew, if you want to say something. I was going to say, like,
2: so I were you posting on LinkedIn before the idea of Wong Salty came along? And kind of like, I know Jonathan Javier, he was also their co-founder. Who, who came up with this idea of starting Wong Salting overall? And why don't you share a little bit also the story behind the name of Wong Salting?
1: Yeah, so for sure, it is Jonathan's idea. I... So, and John was posting on LinkedIn before me and the reason why I posted on LinkedIn is because of John. I remember him popping up on my LinkedIn cuz at the time my entire feed on LinkedIn was just like old like corporate like white dudes talking about like businesses and white papers and trying to sell consulting gigs to other different companies and there was John who posted about like hey, I just went to this workshop I just went to the school to do a workshop. And I remember John and I got connected on LinkedIn, and we hopped on a call, and I was like, hey, I know you're living in LA, but if you're ever up in the Bay Area, let's do something together. And that something together turned out to be just doing workshops. And Mm -hmm. so when John eventually moved up to the Bay, I remember UC Berkeley hit us up and was like, hey, I'm teaching a class. Would love for you guys to just talk about LinkedIn. So John and I... Uh, met up we created a deck together presented it posted it on linkedin and when we did three schools reached out and you almost seemed like this almost like snowball effect we go to a place present post about it three more schools would reach out lo and behold after a year a year and a half we did like 200 250 workshops i think wow that's crazy and that's, yeah that's kind of how the one got started and i remember john at the time was like hey i'm gonna make this into a business i'm gonna Like, the side gig. I was like, "Ah, all right, do your thing, bro. But like, you know, I'm not, like, this is not not a thing that I think can like scale or monetize. It doesn't make any sense. Hmm. And so, and then we got to a point where people started asking us, like, hey, can you do my resume? I'm like, yeah, sure. And at the time I was doing it for free. And people, and then someone asked, like, how much? And I was like, bro, what? What do you mean how much? Like, this is, that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, 20 bucks. I guess, and they're like, "Oh my God, only!" and that's where sort of the initial rise of One Consulting came about. And for us, where we realized that we had like a business on our hands without even realizing that we had a business. Um, and the name of One Consulting comes from winning and consulting, which is if you put the two names together, you would think that is Winsulting, But if you look at the word, it looks like it's W-insulting. So that's what we did.
2: <laughs> nice that's 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 just pretty funny (laughs) now i think about it's like when when insulting i can see that i can see that that's okay that's right yeah
1: like that'd be bad
2: yeah so so Wong salting basically started out as you guys were just doing a bunch of these um career workshops around the city which was like extremely unscalable business was was there a point where like all right i want to dive deeper into this and how can you scale this into like the next bigger thing
1: I think that only came once John and I went full time on this. Beyond that, it was always meant to be a side gig. It was always meant to be like, "Hey, like, we genuinely love doing this stuff. We, stuff that we were, were doing paid? for free, anyways."
2: Okay, it was free. You guys we were doing for free didn't at this get,
1: point. Yeah, maybe about the first year, year and a half, we were doing it for free until someone asked how much, and we we're like, 20 bucks." And then we've been doing it for twenty bucks for a really long time. And then someone was like bro, why are you guys only charging 20? You should be charging much more than that. I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah. And so that's where our, our mentors started coming in. Then we started getting a big community of recruiters and hiring managers to also help us out uh, and sort of coach us, educate us, do workshops with us, live, LinkedIn lives. And that's sort of where the rise of One Zoltan came about. And it was really timely because we really got our like biggest rise in early 2020, when the pandemic was hitting, and at that time, everyone was getting furloughed, everyone was getting laid off, everyone was losing their internships, and so John and I was like, well, why don't we try to put something together where if people are gonna get laid off or furloughed, the biggest thing that they're gonna be missing is that they're gonna have a gap on their resume. So let's try to fill this gap by creating a f- an organized, like a program where it's completely free, you can apply, we'll, pr- we'll put you into project teams, you'll do a a project for the next eight to 12 weeks. And the people who stick it through will put you on our LinkedIn live and we'll get you some visibility on the projects. And it was really cool because some of those folks who stuck it through, they got internships because of those and they got jobs because of those projects. Mm -hmm. And a couple of those folks who ended up actually working for us too uh, because they just really liked the work that we were doing. So that was sort of the rise and the escalation of one salting at the point which we began to realize. Well, we have something here. We realize that we're hitting a pain point that is has been not addressed for a very, very long time, and we're, we were just trying to figure it out at that point.
0: What was your ripcore moment that you're like, all right, like that's we gotta send this. Like we this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. We gotta ride the wave. Can't this is no longer that side gig moment anymore.
1: I think it was at the point when John and I realized that. Uh, we could quit our full-time jobs and not have to dip, in, dip into our savings. So I think our, our basically baseline was like, how can we make sure we pay ourselves like 65K a year um, or 60K a year without us having to dip into our savings account? And my manager told me, from Google told me, hey, like, if you're going to do this full-time, then you then you have to set a milestone. You have to be able to say, if I don't hit X between within Y date, then you're going to go back to corporate because that's the biggest mistake a lot of entrepreneurs will make is they'll bang their head against the wall and try to like make this thing happen. But if it doesn't happen within a certain, and if you're, if you're not able to establish a, a timeline and almost like a checkpoint for you to say, is this happening yes or no, then you'll go in this endless loop of just like trying to figure out something that isn't there.
0: Did you, could, would you be comfortable disclosing what that hard metric was? Feel free to say no up to you uh
1: i think it was i think the milestone was for us to hire have the financial capacity to hire one full-time person and i think in 2022 shit 2022 yeah 2022 was the first year when we were able to uh hire someone full-time
0: nice and what's your what's the size of your team right now then
1: we're about Thirty people, twenty full time, roughly, and 10, 10 wow. part time ish. It's like plus minus, but around there.
0: That's impressive, man. That's a that's a legit company. <laughs> like, wow, dude. Yeah, how, how,
1: it, it doesn't feel real sometimes. Yeah.
0: How how fast did you guys
2: grow? Because I know when something started in twenty nineteen, correct? Like with, yeah, and it like what where where. where? Did it start growing exponentially well, what was the uptick moment and what was your main growth strategy for building this company
1: dude i wish that we had planned this out like so like everything i'll say is just like it like it just happened you know like and none of this was like strategically planned like even for john for example him doing linkedin content never that he thought one something was going to be here then john one day was like yo i'm gonna start TikTok." And I remember uh, Angelica Song at the time. I don't know if you guys know her. She's also a content creator. Yeah. Uh, she uh, was an intern at Google, reached out to me because she seen my LinkedIn content. was like, hey, like, let's let's chat. And she was urging me to, to try TikTok. And I was like, uh, not for me. John tried it on the whim and just grew to 100K in like a month. Wow. He was like, Jerry, you should wow. try it. You should try it. I'm like, uh, that's not for me. And I think when he was 400K is when I was like, all right, I'll try it.
0: <laughs> Dang <laughs> Shout out to Angelica yeah. Song Another Another OC girly dude That's <laughs> she's, right she's Angelica dope. Song Yeah, I
1: haven't talked to her in yeah. a while I should hit her up Neither
0: have I No she's dope Yeah I've been meaning to catch up with her as well
1: Yeah But that's uh, That's pretty much how It went Like I wish that there was a Growth Like there was this like I did A, B, C Or like we got funding And we did this We did that Like product launch Like dude nothing Like if there's anything That we've done Is we've always just I think one thing that we were really good at is just listening to our audience and being like, well, what are they constantly complaining about the job search process? What are, like, the things that, like, keep coming up that they're, like, this shit's so annoying? And then we were like, all right, cool, well, let's build a course then. Oh, well, you don't like the course anymore? Cool, then let's build a program. Oh, you don't like that anymore? Then, hey, we'll build this. And, like, we very much iterate extremely quickly. Um so I think that's probably like the biggest growth hack, I guess, is that we just kept designing things that were like helpful to the users. And the more that we did, the more I feel like people resonated. Um, so,
2: and so, also so you wouldn't say channel. there was like a specific marketing channel where it was like an 80-20 world where it's like, oh, yeah, I got our business, our girlfriend TikTok or LinkedIn. It was just like everything just kind of came together from different platforms and it was hard to attribute to it specifically if one of them was the main causing factor.
1: Yeah, like I think the phases of one salting first was LinkedIn, then we spiked on TikTok, got a lot of traffic there, then Instagram grew for us and we got a bunch of traffic there. And now I think we're quite like equally distributed amongst our channels and now we're testing other channels to see if we can grow in there, but um yeah, like we've gone through phases And whenever something popped off, we doubled down always like you guys know, like Instagram and TikTok, um, for us is a really big priority for us. Um, yeah, that was pretty much it. What
2: what, were there any specific like bottleneck moments where you're like, something isn't working or just a huge constraint in the business right now? And how did you like overcome that?
1: I would say, so one of the programs that we launched was called the 20. And the twenty we we thought was going to be the future of our business. There's a company called Pathrise. Have you guys heard of Pathrise?
0: Yep. Yes, I'm familiar with Pathrise. Yeah.
1: Yep. For those people who don't know, Pathrise is sort of a career boot camp type thing where they'll guarantee you a job within X amount of months, and if they do, then you'll get Y. Then you'll give up like eight percentage of your salary for like two or three years. For us, we're like that's outrageous. We're all, we're going to lower the percentage and lower the payback period and decrease the amount of the guarantee period so like we tried to make it much better across all metrics within our first cohort we had like a 90 or 95% placement rate within like three or four months and so we were like okay like we have something here but to your question this was the probably the most non scalable method for us to get and grow our business because it required so much resource, so much of my and John's time for us to individually work with these people that when we tried to scale it, it just didn't work as much as we would like. So we just kind of called it quits there. Um, but that was the thing that we were like, damn, like we thought that was the future of our business, but it clearly was not. So we're to kill it.
2: Like a boot camp almost, right? Like a coding boot camp, which they go through your boot camp and then once they land a job, you get a percentage of their income in that way.
1: Yeah, and that was the idea, is that we were taking people who knew, who were stuck, like, our target market for that were people who were on the job search for more than, like, X amount of months. If people were like, hey, I just got laid off, right, I'm looking for a new job, our thing was like, well, go look for a job for a couple months, try it, and if you can do it, awesome. But if you can't, and you feel stuck, and there's nothing else, like, you're, like, banging your head against the wall, and you don't know what to do, then come to us. I think there was somebody uh, who was unemployed for like nine months or 10 months when they came to us and got a job in like three or four months with us. So uh, it's like that kind of, those were our target market at the time for, our, for that, uh, the 20 model.
0: Interesting. So just out of curiosity, if you could split up the one salting revenue pie, I guess, what would each slice look like in general percentage distribution for each one?
1: yeah i mean pretty much we only have one main business now it's our services business um and of course we're growing up our product business which is uh it it, it's becoming a bigger and bigger portion of our business today um but pretty much we're our coaching business is probably the one that we've scaled the most have doubled down on have figured out have finalized a model which we feel comfortable with for example, like we have like three full-time career coaches on our team that help manage a portion of the, a portion of our client services. One of them has like 15 years of experience. The other has like six and so on and so forth. And then we also have a team of part-time career coaches who are sort of Fortune 500 recruiters, hiring managers, or professionals who have sort of gone through the process and want to give back. Um, and that's pretty much the majority of our business.
0: Interesting. And this is just me coming from like a, a little tech bro perspective. You know, I think I found this, well, I saw this one tweet a couple months ago where it was saying like every SaaS founder wishes that they had a services business and every services business wishes that they had a SaaS business. How, where do you fall on that spectrum? Because I think like services business, everyone complains like, oh, it doesn't scale past a certain point. But I mean, does it have to scale past a certain point if you're making multiple millions a year, probably not. So, but just wanted to hear your take on that since you are primarily a service business scalability and trying to productize that into like a more dedicated SaaS product.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, like there's this concept called like the the duality fallacy where it's like, Hey, like, why do you have to choose one over the other? Why can't you have both? Uh, for us, I think we, the coaching business works, we know how to scale it. We know what metrics to be tracking. Um, and again, like our model isn't perfect, but I think, I think we're like 80, 90% of the way there uh for the product side of the business something that we're testing into seeing if there's traction seeing if we could truly automate the job search process enough to the point where people will start using this over coaching services so for us i think that's been our primary thought process is like hey let's just see where this the SaaS product go if it continues to ex- grow and exponentiate, like hey let's invest in that and if it doesn't well hey we have something to fall back on so I think we're taking more of like the, like the alphabet approach where it's like, hey, like their, Google Ads makes up 80%, 90% of the revenue, but the 10% of the revenue comes from like 1,000 different business units. And they're hoping that one of those business units eventually is going to make up 30% of that revenue. I think we're taking a very similar approach because we've gone through like an online course and people thought that was great but wanted more and they're like, well, we don't have a scalable way to do that, so we pulled back on that. Then we said, the program really effective, but can't scales. So we pulled back on that and now we're on their product. So we're just trying different things, seeing what sticks, seeing what doesn't, taking the learning from all of them and just trying to like, make it better, you know?
2: Yeah. So I, I got a question about like your marketing strategy. So Wong Salting, both you, John Finn and the main Wong Salting account, maybe I just haven't seen it yet. I don't know if this is intentional by you guys, but you guys almost never pitch or sell your coaching services or your courses. I I don't think I ever seen a video where you guys were like selling it. But when yep. it came to consulting AI, like resume AI, network AI, I did see a little bit more aggressive marketing towards that. What what's what's kind of your philosophy mm. on TikTok marketing? So so for example, right now I run an agency in which I, I work with brands and help them build, you know, their TikTok Instagram accounts. And my philosophy, I've, is see, like, I've, I've seen your face, I've seen your face come up Andrew. yeah, different yeah, yeah. My, phlo- my philosophy is that like, you need to sell the product. If you don't sell the product, people aren't going to know about it. But I realize you guys are able to build this brand and maybe you guys should just have a different philosophy, different approach on it. But I see you guys do both at the same time. So I'm kind of curious why, why you guys opted for one or the other for each of your product service offerings.
1: Yeah, damn, I feel like I'm in an investor call right now. Jesus, you guys are <laughs> drilling into me. <laughs> hey, but, don't worry,
2: we'll, we'll get into the fun stuff after this, all uh, right, we'll, yeah. Yeah,
1: I get the one sure.
2: talks out the way.
1: Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. So I think for, and, and you guys know this too, like for short-form content, you need the aha moment for people to like stay, because people don't like to be sold to, people don't like to be pitched to is sort of my, sort of been my philosophy. It's very, we, I feel like we haven't really cracked the code of how to like show people the aha moment without people feeling like they're being sold to. And that's with the services. And that's That's so hard. That's so hard. It's, it's tough. And I don't think I've seen anyone really do it too well. Um, but the, but I think from the other perspective too, like our whole principle behind selling and coaching and all that stuff. It's very much be like, try it on your own. Like, take everything that we've, what we've talked about, what you guys talk about, with all the other career content creators, and do it. And if you still can't figure it out, then we're here. Right? Like, that has been my philosophy. Like, what what I don't want to do is I don't want to be like, hey, guys, like, here's this resume template, but let me censor half of it, because you need to be our client for you to see the other half. Right? Like, that to me seems very, like... It just isn't as like community forward as I would like it to be so like I always am half joking when I say this like if someone walked or read through every single one of our LinkedIn posts and watched all of our pieces of content you could pretty much construct the business of consulting because like pretty Mm. much everything that we sold the way that we structure our services and the way that the services are conducted are very similar to like I mean very much is exactly what John and I talk about Hey, like, make sure your resume is formatted like this. Like, hey, make sure you answer your interviews like that. Hey, this is what you should be thinking about networking. So, I think, I think Gary V says this a lot, where he's like, give without expecting anything in return, and you will get so much back. And I think that's very much true. On the other hand, with our product, I think that we do have an aha moment where I can show you in two seconds of like, and make you go, "What the fuck!" Like, I, I see your toes, man. Insane
2: i've seen your toes i'm just oh that's
1: what it is man that's what it is <laughs> dude there's, a, there's such a funny story behind that too which you can talk about uh but because the product side has an easier aha moment that's why we were like okay it's very natural for us to integrate our product here that's why we do it
2: hmm. I, I think that makes a lot more sense because when you're selling a mentorship or course it's kind of hard to be like, here are some networking tips, his resume tips. And, and it's like, by the way, I have a seminar, a webinar you guys should sign up for. It's like, it works. We all know it works because it's been done. It's been done over again. But I don't know if you ever struggle with this. I can never, because I, you know, I, I also have like a career coaching account. Um, I used to sell services for investment banking mentorship. I could never get over that like mindset barrier of like, hey guys, sign up for my program. You know, it, it's it was always just this. I don't yeah, just this block this mental bear in my head, I just like I felt so sleazy doing it. Did you ever feel like yeah, that? It,
1: well, I think it's just notion of like, do you do you does anyone like to be sold to? If I was yeah. like, hey Andrew, thanks for hopping on this call. I know that we're doing a podcast, but yo, have I told you about this program that we have? Like <laughs> you know, like I don't think anyone likes to be sold to. That's why I don't like doing it. And that's probably the same feeling of what you're talking about. I think there are some people out there who give absolutely no fucks, and they're like, yo, hey, sign up for my program, man. Like, they have absolutely no shame, and hey, like, good for you. But, like, I just don't – like, that's yeah, just respect. not who I am. Like. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like I would rather just show you like the principles and like the things of what we talk about. And if you want more and you're curious about what we do, then go do your research, go 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 Google us, go look on our website, whatever, whatever, like and then make a decision for yourself. That's kind of how I thought about it.
0: Yeah. Um, one thing I want to ask is, you know, have you I think there's like a general consensus right now that social media, particularly the TikTok, has kind of slowed down a bit for a lot of accounts. I know I personally experienced it. I think Andrew has as well. Has has the one salting team in general also experienced that? Or do you think, is the TAM of the job recruiting market big enough that it's still pretty healthy um, and you still get like a lot of engagement that helps fuel a lot of growth? Or are you trying to pivot through other marketing channels because of any general social media slowdown?
1: Yeah, I don't... I try not to think too much about what it looks like on the front of marketing, like from like a market size. So I think to answer your question, yes. I think almost every account that I have followed or know typically will go through this pattern where you will have immense growth in the first six months, a year, maybe even a year and a half, maybe even two years. You'll have immense growth. And after that, you'll have very incremental growth. And I've I've been trying to figure out why that is. And I have sort of, two main hypotheses as to why that happens one is that i feel like we as content creators might also sort of know the type of content that we create and we ourselves may not have the same level of energy that we used to have like i know this because for me i look back on my content from two three years ago and i'm like damn dude i had so much more energy i was so much more excited to create content I was so much more engaging with the community and i think that your mindset as a content creator shifts over the years they say that the average lifetime of a content creator is like three to four years. And I think that makes sense because if you have the first one to two years to like pop off, the next year being like, oh shit, am I, am I like like losing it? And the last year being like, well, I guess I've tried like one pivot and I'm out. I think yeah. that, that story makes sense to me. Um, but I think the second thing is that users probably just know, know your content or you've seen your type of content and if you've had any success, then people most likely are gonna imitate your type of content. I know that we've definitely felt it on every platform and um, and that's just the nature of social media. If people feel like you've hit a gold mine, then they're gonna rush over there and mine some gold for themselves and at which point then your niche, the way that you create your content is gonna feel very it's gonna feel very outdated and so I think the audience also might get bored, which then causes you to maybe not grow as much. so I think there's sort of two. There's also the creator perspective. There's also the viewer and, like, the user perspective as well. So one of the things that I try to think about is, like, how do I make sure that, like, 80% of my content is what I'm used to, my bread and butter, but the 20% is what I am, like, going to say fuck it on and just try. Like, I might get hate for it. I might get no views for it. It might pop off. It might not. Whatever. But, like, that's just a process of learning, I think. Um, So that's the way that i've thought about it i feel like i haven't cracked that nut of like hey this is how you unlock exponential growth continuously on tiktok um but i definitely have noticed that most accounts will hit the okay i've like grown to a point now i can only grow like a thousand or two three 4, five ten thousand followers a month type of thing
0: yeah yeah for sure yeah um so kind of want to go into or is that andy you can go you can go
2: I was just going to ask, have you ever created content that after you posted it, you're like, why did I say that? That was not the smart move. And then like the comment All sessions All the time, dude. Yeah. What, what, what was... <laughs> All right. I, I don't know. If we should talk about this, but I'm going to mention it. Are What are your, what are your thoughts about the people that disagree with your videos, basically the haters on Wong Salting. I see a couple of videos in which people have said certain things that you will talk about, uh, I won't name specific names, but as a person called you out once for, you know, criticizing that you were claiming there's this hidden job market or another one is using the Workday ATS and you recommend like any job posting that is on the Workday ATS, you should avoid it. Now I watched the video. And I realized that was just the hook. The purpose of the video wasn't to trash on workday. It was just saying like, here's the different way to apply that make, can possibly make your life easier. But I think, you know, other people may have construed it the, the, the wrong way, or to be completely honest, everyone wants to take down the top dogs, right? They're using you as viral marketing strategies. So what, what's your whole take on that?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, one, I think haters will exist everywhere. Uh, I know this because um, even my friends who create food content, like I remember one of my friends who only had like 20K followers, she posted a review of a Michelin star restaurant and the head chef made a reply video was like, who the fuck is this girl? She doesn't know what she's talking about. You should not be criticizing a Michelin star restaurant unless you've eaten at over 100 Michelin stars. So like, and half the comments were like, oh my God, you go chef. Like you get her. Like, and she was like, bro, like I didn't shit on you. I just said it wasn't for me. Right? So, wow. Um, I think that haters will exist no matter what you do. And if you think about it, maybe if w- you can always assign a percentage and say 1% of people will hate you, hate you no matter what. And the more that you grow, that population just becomes bigger, but the percentage stays consistent. I think it's just the natural way of things. And you're right. Like, I definitely have gotten those haters, people being like, oh my God, like, they're not even recruiters. How can they ever help people get jobs? Which I think is, is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. 100%, I've also heard. That's
0: so dumb. Sorry. Yeah, just I just want to say that's so if dumb. If
1: anything, I think, <laughs> I think people.
2: That's so stupid. I think people who actually worked in these jobs are better career coaches. All right. This is probably like one of the most controversial. I don't think HR recruiters are good career, career coaches because they know how to review resumes. They, have, they do the initial screening, but they never interview for like a software engineering role. They never interview for like a consulting role, investment banking role, product management role. And unless you've been through that process, you've, been, you've done those interviews, it's kind of hard to come in here as a recruiter and be like, oh, I see so many applicants on a daily basis. It's like, yeah, but you've never been through that specific process. You just see it from an outside perspective. You haven't done it yet.
1: Yeah, and again, like I could also, yeah, like we we could talk about this for days because, like, again, like I could also criticize, like, oh, okay, well, like, how can you mitigate? How how do you manage bias? Harvard Business Review, all all these studies have come out about how in hiring processes there's racial biases, there's gender biases, 100%, 100%. there's ageism, right? How do you as a recruiter make sure you're being right? So, like, anyways, putting that aside, I think <clears throat> I think every time these haters and stuff come about. I think the biggest thing I try to look for is, is there, is there like an actual piece of feedback that like I can take? That's pretty much the biggest thing I try to think about. Like it, I missed all the, the anger and all that stuff. Like, is there something that's actually true about what they're saying? And if there is like, cool, then like let my action, I'll let, I'll let my action speak for, speak for itself. What I don't like as much is I I see a lot of people get into, like, petty dramas where it's like, hey, thanks for your comment. This person made a reply video. This is when I'm going to... And, like, for me, I just feel like, yeah, you could do that. And, yeah, there have been people who have been successful to be like, oh, yeah, you got him, man. You got him. But, like, if you you believe the 1% philosophy of, like, hey, 1% of haters who are, like, who will always hate you no matter what you do. And they're looking for things that you post and things that you do to, and capitalize on that opportunity. Why would you waste your time focusing on the 1%, like the vocal minority and not the silent majority?
0: So trying to transition a little bit into some more some more casual topics because you were so nice to pull back the curtains about one salting. Awesome story. And honestly, every time I see you guys out there, I'm always cheering you guys on. Huge fan of y'all just keep crushing it. Um, but so transitioning a little bit over. So I gotta say, First question I want to open up with is you know you're you would say someone would say you are a successful entrepreneur to some degree you know you have a nice business,'m sure you make some good money I'm sure you've celebrated here and there. what would you say what would your big like fuck it I made it purchase or have, have you had one like uh a, a big reward for yourself for creating consulting to what it is now
1: dude it's so funny that you say that because like I struggle with that like I struggle to like recognize the successes I struggle with like feeling like i've made it or anything i was telling john all the time the only times i feel like i'm like wow like we have come so far is anytime i have like a monthly update with like a mentor or a friend and they'll be like so what's been going on the past month i remember last time you told me you guys are doing this i'm like damn that was only a month ago shit let me tell you about what we've done this net this in this past month you know um So it might be, like, the Asian, like, try-hard Asian boy inside of me who, like, can't give himself enough self-love because there's some Asian trauma or something in there. Uh, That's probably where a lot of that mentality goes. But for me, I don't feel like I, like, like, I'm, like, done, you know? Like, if anything, it feels like for every step that I take, the more I feel like I need to do more because I realize how big the mountain is, you know?
0: For sure, for sure. So, I mean, if there's any group of guys that understands that uh, not giving yourself self-love, it's it's us right here, man. We're right there. <laughs> it's the Yellow Kings,
2: it's the Yellow Kings right here. Yellow
1: Kings,
0: baby, that's right. Oh, Did you have strict parents growing up?
2: You know, like were your parents like the typical Korean tiger parents, or like what, what was kind of like your upbringing like?
1: I think my dad was. Uh definitely the more strict guy i remember my dad would be the guy who was like nah dude like you your job is to be a student don't play maple story like don't sign into my space <laughs> like like stop playing that stupid shit you know and like my mentality growing yeah. up was always like oh yeah well i'm gonna play starcraft and i'm gonna play maple story and i'm still gonna get good grades i'll show you you know like that was yeah. my mentality growing up um so yeah i think my dad was a lot more strict than my mom was for sure
0: mm. Have, do your parents like recognize your success now? Are they like, oh, Wudi Cheria, like you did so well, you did so well, I'm so proud of you. Are they still like, ah, he just does this social media thing. I don't know what he's doing. Like, what's what's that dynamic? He like makes with your parents? TikTok. He dances on the internet.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I think he my mom. Oh Lord, please, you can't can't talk about that. Uh, I think the biggest, the, I think my, when I told my parents I was gonna do consulting full time, they were like, "Okay, haha, for sure." But like, when are you gonna get a real job? You know, like <laughs> when are you gonna? When is yeah. your little phase gonna be over? Um, like, go, go have your fun after...
2: for a bit, you know. And so like after after you're done having fun, at the playground come back to the real adult world when you're done having fun. That's, ex-
1: That's right. Yeah. Um, and I think the point at which it turned for me. For my parents was when i think that like i was growing a lot on instagram and i think like one of my like family members in korea was like oh my god jerry has like a hundred thousand followers he must be freaking famous in america you know like i'm like <laughs> what no not even uh and so i think that was when my parents were like oh, okay like, i think this is like an actual thing that you could do you know
0: mm, nice nice um And then I guess on that note, well, not really on that note, but kind of going along the notes of like just random questions, though, as as a Korean man, you know, I'm I'm one myself. Um, I'm sure that we've there's been a huge rise in Korean culture as of late, kind of crazy right now. But, man, uh, I think people people are so down bad for very mediocre Korean food a lot of the time. So from your perspective, uh, what do you think is the most overrated Korean food and then also the most underrated Korean food? Dude, or I Asian, think, or you know, we'll, we'll speak. We'll stick with Korean food for now. Yeah, just just Korean food.
1: Yeah, I think that like like prugogi and like sundubu so overrated. Everyone goes to BCD in New York. They're like, oh shit, this shit's so bomb, and like <laughs> it's all trash. <laughs> like, I think the most underrated food is pulsam. Yo, oh, that's a so so. Oh my
2: god, the samjong, the gark, and jalapenos put
0: together. Oh, Oh my god, dude! Wow, of
1: course, of course. Um,
0: That's a banger. That's a banging answer. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Yeah, like, dude, pulsam for sure. I think anything with pork belly, anything that's like amazing. I think that the, every time I go and introduce somebody, to somebody, like, especially if they don't know Korean cuisine, that's the only thing that they'll order from that one. They're like, oh, shit, this shit's so bomb. you know. I'm like, dude, this is real shit.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think BCD, It's like it was, it was good when it first came out. Wait, where did you grow up? You grew up in the West Coast or East Coast? In LA. LA. Oh. K-Town? or
1: oh no it's a it's a place in called torrance but it's like oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah
2: I, I know i know what torrance is I, I think bcd back in like 2012 or something when it first came out it's, it was like gen korean barbecue it was like the best shit ever i was like oh my oh, god my. <laughs> when can you get better food than like gen and bcd guys that was like the top dog show okay like after like fucking calculus or something after school you go eat there and stuff it was like the best thing ever and now you go back i remember the last time i went back to gen i was like what the fuck is this low quality shit I'm eating here? Like the the amount of good <laughs> Korean food, it's so insane right now, especially in K Town. That's like, I mean, when you want to go, with Jen? You don't even see Asian people eat there anymore. It's Mostly like, no, uh, non-Asians. That's all. That's all I'm yeah. gonna say. <laughs> like, in, they market to different demographic now. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Dude, but especially in New York City, all the I think New York City, this might be a hot take, but I think New York City has trash Korean food. Oh, I, I, that, agree. Like, I
2: agree. I yeah. agree.
1: Wait, wasn't there one good and, place
2: called like Jin? It starts with a J uh, Korean barbecue. It's like
0: Jin. Chongro? Chongro. Yeah, barbecue. yeah, that
2: one. That one. That's not
0: bad. That's good. It's not like. It's good, okay, but it's not like... It blew blow my mind.
2: I, maybe I'm just non-Korean. I don't have the palate, you know. It's like, it's like I don't know what the fuck I'm here <laughs> or something. You know? I'm just like, hey, it'll taste have pretty you... good to me at a certain point.
1: Have you been to COTE? C-O-T-E
0: in Mm-mm. New York? No. I've wanted to go so badly. It's
1: a one Michelin star Korean barbecue place. They call themselves a steakhouse, but I think they did that for the Michelin reviews. But it's pretty mm. much Korean barbecue because they you have the grill, you have the samjang and everything. Uh, I think that was... Probably the more high-quality Korean barbecue, and, like, they, like, show you all the, like, the, not only from the experience, but also the food as well. But, yeah, I think, yeah, overall Korean barbecue, I think, is best done at home, where you, like, go to, a, like, a local butcher shop, especially if they're, like, Asian, and they, like, know all the different cuts of meat to give you. I think is amazing. I, I did that growing up. I used to eat Korean barbecue once a week growing up.
0: Same. Yeah, I had it at home all the time. Like the, the indoor electric skillet, you already know what's dude, good, man. Dude, of course. <laughs>
1: of course. Indoor electric skillet. I, uh, dude, I remember my dad used to always say like, oh, Jerry, like I'm eat, I eat cream barbecue once a week because I need to clear the toxins from my body. And if I don't have this, then like the toxins are going to stay in. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay. And I believed it growing up because I didn't know any better. And now as an adult, I'm like, what the fuck kind of garbage were you like? So, so weird.
0: <laughs> honestly honestly Man. so
2: i i have a question more just like on the yappy side of things what did you ever feel like you didn't want to pursue a career path in the traditional nine to five like did that factor into that decision quitting to go wonk salting or was it just like the business opportunity came along and you just took it and you would have otherwise had no problem working like a nine to five job for you know, as long as you worked it and stuff.
1: Dude, my whole philosophy on corporate was like I'm gonna move up as quickly as possible and I'm gonna be a CEO of Fortune five hundred so that I can mm-hmm. show the other first gen low income people that they could also do it themselves. Like that was my whole motivation of like going in corporate and doing all that. Um so I had never thought that like entrepreneurship or like starting your own business startups, whatever you wanna call it, is like something I ever wanted to do because like For me, I come from a traditional immigrant family where, like, I don't really have, like, a fallback plan, you know? Like, that just doesn't exist for me. I know a lot of my friends who are founders, they do. And honestly, good for you. Because if I had that, hell yeah, I would take take so much more risks. But because I don't, like, I just have to play the game a little bit, you know? So that was my thought process uh, going through college and sort of my early career and why I, I never thought entrepreneurship would be a thing i would be
2: interested in yeah because because i i i kind of realized that among my friend circle as well like people are first generation or immigrant parents then grow up the most wealthy they're now like fucking software engineers making 200k a year and i'm like don't you want to do something more they're like why this is the life i always wanted you know it's like why would i want to throw it all away to find like my passion in life or something <laughs> there's like no I, I already made it here this is exactly what i want to be doing and stuff uh, of course once in a while you do get like you know people who grow up very poor and they're like but i still want to work a job well i get people who grow up very rich are like no it, this is what i want to do i just want to work like a 60k job a year and be chill with it and stuff so i think this is spectrum but i i have seen that general sentiment as well where it's like uh for example myself um i you know Honestly, I, sometimes I feel like a spoiled piece of shit because I left my high paying investment banking job not because I had an outstanding business opportunity that I could capture. I made my first TikTok video after I quit my job. I was like, I'm gonna go quit my job, move back home my parents, and then we'll go figure it out afterwards. Like, I didn't have like, oh, okay, because when you said <laughs> it's so funny when you said earlier, you're like, all right, we're gonna do a consulting. If it doesn't make this amount by this month, we're gonna go back to a job for me. I'm just like, no, we're gonna do this. And if we make no money by six months, fuck it. We're gonna keep going until it literally <laughs> can't do this anymore. That was more my <laughs> philosophy. So when he said that I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I, you know, what? maybe I should da- adapt that too. Because mine's always like, it's all or nothing. We're fucking sending you, okay? Like no backup plan. Let's fucking go. But in a way, it's because you know, like I, I'll, I'll admit this. I, because I, my backup plan is like, I can lie back on. My parents, my family, and I'm, I'm blessed. I'm truly blessed to be able to say that. And for lack of a better word, I could probably go find a job again too nowadays. I Maybe mean, not right now. Job market might be a little bit more tough, but um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I, I realized over the years too of just like pursuing entrepreneurship. It's like, yeah, many people just have, come from very different backgrounds and it kind of shapes your view and perspective on money, life, and purpose and like passion in that way.
0: Hey, dude, yeah, if you're struggling yeah. to get a job, you can just get a one salting package, bro. We got the guy right that's here. That's right, get one onesalting.com, salting, baby. <laughs> I'll, hit you, I'll hit you guys. Up. <laughs> oh,
2: Andrew's like, shit. Yeah, yeah. Dude, the smoothest plug. The smoothest <laughs> plug. That's, that's where that's the right. sales posts come in, dude. That's what Jerry want all want for this podcast. That's right. That's right. Um, that's right you don't you don't share much about yourself in your content like you shared a lot about a couple times about your girlfriend and you know her her journey finding job getting laid off finding job again um but i don't know much about you i don't know much about you do you why don't you talk about yourself is it intentional or you just don't care or is this like do you have an end goal of being a creator at all or this is just a business move for you
1: it's a, it's a good question. I, I struggle with this a lot because I'm like, my page is not for me. My page is for the community, right? Like, that's the way I sort of think about it. Like, I think it makes sense for other content creators to talk about themselves because, like, they are the product. They are the, they are the thing that people follow. And for me, I don't feel like, like, I just don't feel like people follow me because they're like, oh, shit, like, this guy is, like, the best looking, or the best guy can dance the best, or hey, whatever. I think it's hey, because the the.
2: Give yourself some Hey, credit,
1: maybe you got one over there. You know. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm telling you, dude. Like those feet pics. You know, you can you can. Oh my most, god. You can, you can start monetizing that shit, Jerry. I'm gonna keep bring that up over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Continue. Continue.
1: Um, but it is something that has recently crossed my mind. I actually have a video that I'm pending where I talk about my upbringing and why I'm even interested in the job search in the first place and I want to see how well my community reacts to it and see like hey like do they do they like this kind of content or do they not and if they don't but hey I can go back to not but I think it goes back to the whole 80-20 rule that we're talking about before where it's like 80% you want to be you want to do what works double down on what works and 20% you know you just kind of experiment so that's going to be one of my experiments to see if people like me talking about myself and i do cool i'll do, I'll do more
2: you would know? you do it on a separate account or would you do it on the same account
1: i would do it on the same i just i cannot Probably. like yeah. i don't know because i know andrew you have multiple i don't know how you do multiple i just
2: i don't don't have <laughs> I, I always go back to the same one except for now except for this okay, this is separate good. now because like this is per- specifically for what we're doing here right now um shout out to yeah, thomas yeah, yeah. i i like i like court this guy into doing this with me
0: <laughs> it was good no this is i think this has been super fun especially just because like we're trying to start this new series of just like interviewing more asian american founders like that's why you're like the number one like you're the first one on this like whole series like i think it's like the f- perfect blend of what andrew and i both like just because we're both unlike you we're not successful entrepreneurs. We're very oh struggling God. entrepreneurs right now. Hey, uh, hey. Well, actually, actually, I would say Andrew. No, I would no, say no. Andrew's actually pretty successful right Give now. Give us dude. both He's... some credit, Thomas. Give us both some credit. Nah, nah, nah I can't <laughs> no, no, no. see this. This is the difference. Jerry makes a lot of money from his company. Andrew makes some money from his company. I make zero money from the shit. that I <laughs> I do. So there's, there's, there's tears to this dude. So we're, we're all across the spectrum of founders right now. Hey, 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 but
1: let's let, <laughs> hey, let's talk about Thomas's uh, compensation from was it was it Meta or is it, <laughs> is it Google? <laughs> right, yeah, let's like, that in absolute to basis, up. it's like hey, hey, I'm just saying <laughs> like, you're, you're still living a pretty
2: good life right now. But and yeah, also let's, let's, let's compare our tax burn. returns, all right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Yellow King's Podcast. Apologies for the abrupt ending, but one of um, our hosts right here is still stuck in the matrix, unfortunately. But with your support, your likes, engagement, and comments, we can get more sponsorships, more brand deals, and eventually, we can also pull Thomas out of the matrix. So be sure to like this video, share the videos. This is our first ever founder, Asian founder, Asian creator, founder series episode with our boy, Jerry Lee from Wong Salting. I hope you enjoyed everything. And honestly, Jerry, it's, it's been great to have you on. Um, we, know we wanted to learn more about like, your background and business and kind of understand your path and journey into building Wong Salting. So honestly, super happy to share that. And honestly, hope to have you back sometime. Next time, we'll talk about some other fun stuff. Um, and then we can t- dig deeper into Asian culture and stuff of that sort. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Any words of wisdom or just things you want to share that you haven't shared now on this podcast?
1: Hey, follow Yellow Kings, baby.
0: That's the only <laughs> thing I got. Let's go. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> All right. We'll wrap it there. Thanks again, man. All right. All right. Peace out. Everyone. Yeah. To see you guys.